You're listening to Cannabis Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Elland. Our guest today has degrees in journalism and library science. He has focused on the field of preventative health care for 25 years or more. In 2011, he published his book, Marijuana Gateway to Health, How Cannabis Protects Us from Cancer and Alzheimer's Disease. In June of 2012, he was named Activist of the Month by Normal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. And joining us from California is Clint Werner. Clint, it's good to finally meet you. Hi, thank you so much for asking me to join you. Tell us how you became so keenly interested in the medical benefits of marijuana. Well, first of all, just going back to my own personal history, I was kind of a straight kid in terms of uh, partying and everything. I never really went out and was wild like a lot of my peers. But um, I never liked alcohol that much. And uh, But when I found marijuana, cannabis, uh, it was the first time I sort of felt really comfortable in my own skin. So uh, I really enjoyed that and got involved with it. And uh, in college, I just enjoyed it and didn't usually partake in alcohol or other substances, and it did me very well. I graduated, you know, with a nice grade point average and then went on to grad school and did well. And it just never seemed to cause me the troubles that uh, alcohol or other uh, substances caused people. Um, I am a, a gay man, and my best friend had AIDS. I was his caregiver, and I was involved with a lot of people who had AIDS because I got into macrobiotics, natural healing with diet and um, lifestyle. So I was working with a lot of people who had AIDS. I just saw that cannabis really helped them so very, very much. And this was in the late 80s, uh, early 90s. And at that point, the medical marijuana movement just sort of took off. So I got very interested in that sense because I really did see that my best friend who I was caregiver for lived, outlived his expected uh, mortality because he was using it and eating healthful foods. Then I found for myself, it really helped. Uh, I developed psoriasis. It's a genetic inflammatory disease of skin and tissue. And it really helped me. It kept it suppressed uh, with a few other lifestyle uh, choices I made. I just really found it helpful and felt like I should help work for it. Then I began a relationship with Donald Abrams, who at that point was trying to fight the government to do research to show that, yes, cannabis does, in fact, help people with AIDS. And the government was not allowing him to do that. So I sort of had a unique perspective with one foot in each camp, the activist camp with Dennis Perone and AIDS activism. And then with Donald, who was the, you know, he's a very well-respected pioneer in AIDS research and trying to get the government to allow him to do the research that would confirm that it works. When you were dealing with these uh, folks with AIDS, were they smoking it or were they taking cannabis oil? 
Yeah, this was well before sort of the cannabis oil revolution began, and these were people who were smoking it pretty chronically. It seemed the people who used it more regularly daily did better uh, than people who did not use it or who used it less frequently. It's interesting because a lot of, not a lot, I shouldn't say a lot, but there have been a few studies that have come out, some in primates showing that cannabinoids actually form a shield against the infection of HIV or the simian version of HIV into healthy cells, converting them into uh, new viral factories. And that's huge. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, because there are a few studies that actually do show that there, you know, cannabinoids form a shield against further infection of cells with HIV. Now, there are a great many people listening to us who have cancer or a loved one has cancer, and they're aware of the toxic effects of the traditional treatments of chemo and radiation. And number of people are looking at cannabis as an alternative treatment. We've interviewed many people who have successfully cleared themselves of cancer using cannabis. Based on your research, take us through what cannabis does to cancer cells. You mentioned it very briefly with the it, protective well, mechanism around the cancer. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. I'll just say that when I was doing my work, when I was involved with Donald and then, you know, friends with Dennis. And I decided to write this book because of my unique perspective. I started going, this was well before we had, you know, the vast internet resources we have now. And I would go up to the medical school here in San Francisco, UCSF, to their library. And there's these books called Index Medicus that list every published peer-reviewed medical study. And I would look under cannabis and go, and then I'd have to go down. It was so hard compared to today where you just click, click, click. But I'd have to go then down into the stacks in the basement and go through and find the journals and bring them out and photocopy them. But the one I found that blew my mind was the same one that got Rick Simpson interested in that in this because it was the, I believe it was the 1974, 73 study with mice uh, where they were implanted with lung cancer cells and then dosed with oral cannabinoids and the more cannabinoids they got, the more slowly the cancer progressed. So that was, and that blew my mind. I just, I was like, I couldn't believe that. And so I s- sort of kept an eye on that. And then further research came out as more was known about the endocannabinoid system after the receptors were found in the late 80s. And then the research, you know, through uh, Manuel Guzman in Spain. Uh, he his you know serendipitous discovery with brain cell tumors that THC kills them off, but all these other studies were coming through because once I started writing this book, we did have we have the internet now. I really I had started writing the hist it is a history of the movement, but there were all these medical studies as the endocannabinoid system was being more uh, for the research that were being published and they were blowing my mind. Head and neck cancer. Um, bowel cancer, gastric uh, cancer, uh, all these cancer, uh, all these cancers that were being suppressed in the evidence. I just decided that I had to shift my book to tell people this. People needed to know, and it is really remarkable how because it's not just like one mode of action that THC, CBD, and the other cannabinoids have. It's really there's these multifaceted attacks on cancer cells that are 
pretty amazing uh, without harming other cells. I mean, you say that one aspect of it would be um, a decrease selectively in the ability of a tumor to create blood vessels because the tumor is a hungry, rapidly expanding clump of cells, and it needs a lot of nutrition to keep that rapid expansion and takeover of the host going. So it taps in like a vampire, a parasite into the host's blood system with these vessels. THC stunts the ability of these tumors to produce those blood cell, uh, blood vessels. Uh, there's a compound that's needed and uh, called VEGF, and THC seems to neutralize that it, uh, the cells in that way. But there's also apoptosis where there's a sort of genetic signaling within the cancer cell that THC alters. So the cancer cell stops producing uh, sur- uh, a compound in certain cases known as Survivin and then starts to produce another compound that is hostile to the cancer cell and it dissolves. And there's another mode of action that's been shown with lung cancer cells where it makes the cancer, the lung cancer cells more uh, adhesive for the immune system to latch onto it and then dissolve the cells. So it's pretty amazing and it is kind of sad that we haven't had something along the lines of a Manhattan Project of dedicated research due to lingering reefer madness hysteria because this needs to be looked at and applied. You know, listening to you refer to the 1974 study, I believe uh, Richard Nixon ordered a, a study on marijuana causing cancer. And as a result, correct me if I'm wrong, as a result of the study, uh, the scientists found that marijuana actually prevents cancer, and therefore that study was suppressed. Do I have that right? The line of research was just terminated there, you know, it was, which is insane, because especially at that point, I, you know, I get some activists and I go back and forth because I'm married to an oncologist, and there are certain very effective chemotherapy treatments in use today compared to times gone by for especially like certain leukemias, childhood leukemias, and blood cancers. You know, it's not where we need to be, and we can certainly use more, and certain ones are devastating and by very little time. But back then, there was nothing. And, you know, they were trying to wrestle with mustard gas to come up with some sort of treatments, and it was so early. And and to just abandon this, it makes no sense that it should have been seized upon. But, yeah, it, the, the, there's so many times that it is not allowed to do research. Through NIDA is sort of the gatekeeper of cannabis research, and their congressional mandate forbids them from facilitating research into benefits. They can only research the basic chemistry and harms, social and physiological harms. It's impossible almost. It has been. I mean, the the medical marijuana movement has brought a lot of pressure to bear that has gotten some studies through some that my uh, spouse, Donald, has been able to do and others through the uh, California Cannabis Research Initiative. This is really insane uh, to not be exploiting this plant's gifts to help humanity it, it, because it's very clear i mean i mean to find something that has all of these actions not only that but doesn't harm the healthy cells in fact shields the healthy cells and reduces the likelihood that they're going to either be afflicted uh, with metastasis or any other form of disease because 
it's not just cancer. It's diabetes. It's Alzheimer's. There's so many uh, of the really big killers and big um, big generators of expense to public health that cannabis ad- addresses so effectively that we really need to get over this idiocy, this this lockout uh, from reefer madness and get with it and help humanity. You know, my feeling is that if the pharmaceutical company came up with uh, marijuana and it would be viewed as probably the greatest drug in the history of mankind because it can combat cancer and we're all safe. But because the pharmaceutical industry is not involved in this because it can't patent the plant itself, it can probably patent certain components uh, of the plant, certain chemicals within it, it is not viewed by the mainstream public and the mainstream media as beneficial. We are still involved in the propagandizement of marijuana through reefer madness, that everyone is going to go crazy if they take it. And as a result, I I believe, anyway, that some members of the public are confused as to whether this plant is beneficial or not. What are your thoughts? You're right. There's been multi-billion dollar campaign for decades and decades to persuade us that there's no use for it, that it is a scourge, that only terrible people use it, or that good people who use it lose their minds or become terrible people. Um, my spouse Donald says frequently, you know, if this were discovered anew in the rainforest without the baggage, it would be seen as the greatest botanical discovery in the history of humanity. Uh, you know, if it were found today without all the history of baggage that's been put upon it, it it's true. And so many people are so profoundly ignorant. That's one reason I was just so excited to write my book and get it out there. Because I think I lay out pretty thoroughly with convincing evidence that these people are wrong, they're ignorant, and they need to get with the program. And, uh, you know, it's so what I do, I have a little bit of a spiel that I'll give to people who are completely oblivious. You know, ignorance is a harsh word, but there are people, we're all ignorant, we're all ignorant of certain things, but, you know, who are a little oblivious about these properties and the promise of cannabis for help. What I tell them is we have in our bodies certain compounds whose job is to, one, prevent any state of disease from getting a hold of us, to prevent the environments that give rise to serious illness, two, to stop any illness in its tracks that might have gotten a hold in our bodies and to really dial back the vigor vigor of any disease that might have a hold on us. And then three, to trigger our intrinsic repair mechanisms to try and patch up the harm that the disease might have caused. So I tell people we have these compounds and that's their job. Interestingly, the cannabis plant produces almost identical compounds. They are almost identical. They are cannabinoids and are the phytocannabinoids and ours are endocannabinoids. And when we ingest the plant's cannabinoids, They supplement these anti-disease, health-nurturing actions that we have in our own body and our own bodies, and that these uh, plants are natural allies. If you know how to really work with plants, you can stave off a lot of serious illness in your life. Clint, when people are afflicted with cancer, 
they can either ingest cannabis through smoking, edibles, tinctures, oil, vaping, etc. Is there a best form of consumption when combating cancer? Well, you know, it's very interesting because the idea has been for so long that you would smoke in order to deal with your nausea, your pain, perhaps even uh, depression, get some euphoria, a little bit of lifting of the spirit. You know, we... It is true that Rick Simpson introduced an entirely new perspective on this, and we have to give him credit that if you kind of bombard the body, you saturate the body with these compounds, which is not, I'm sure you know, Corey, necessarily an easy course to go through. True. But if you can really saturate the body, it may have some really powerful anti-tumor effects that could overwhelm the cancer and obliterate it. I personally, you know, there's it's a nice slogan, cannabis cures cancer, and it's got the alliteration, the three C's. But I have always sort of said, you know, for me, that's a bit of an overstatement. What I say is that it really looks like cannabis could be an effect, could, is a possible effective treatment for cancer. That gives us a little wiggle room. Um, I also, when I was writing my book, the original title I was thinking about was how uh, cannabis, the subtitle, how cannabis prevents cancer and Alzheimer's disease. And some people I talked to cautioned me that that was kind of a big statement, prevents. So I changed it to protects us from because it's a little less absolute and gives a little, you know, a little more, a little more viable wiggle room in there to uh, what we're trying to say, because, uh, it's hard to say what's going to happen with cancer and cannabis. Will it work for every cancer? I don't know. Uh, I've heard some great stories. I had a precancerous lesion on my face. I put can- cannabis oil on. And it had bothered me for about two years. Part of my psoriasis treatment is getting UV light. That's one of the only real effective treatments for it. And so I have some skin issues that arise. And I swear I put that oil on and it went away. Uh, it was a little painful, sort of crusty precancerous thing, and it just disappeared within about, I think it was three or four weeks. You know, we really need to find out where it works and where it, you know, it doesn't live up to what we hope it can be, because we have to be honest about this. My spouse, the oncologist, Donald, he frequently sees people who have uh, cancer, who have put all their hopes in cannabis oil and have not had the kind of response that, you know, they were either assured from vendors or um, were really hoping for and expecting. Well, you know, when I was in uh, Prague, Dr. Melamede uh, talked to four different people, um, myself being one of them, and said, you know, uh, without us knowing that he was speaking to other people, and said, you know, what do you think the success rate is with cannabis oil? And I said 80 85%. And it turned out that um, the other three people, all from different corners of the world, said the same thing. And I think that's what we have. It's about an 80% success rate. And I, I get what you were saying about um, the cannabis protecting us. When we were talking to Robin Swan a couple of days ago, she was saying, you know, it's it's almost like it's a shield from the cancer. It is. Yeah. Yeah. An ally. It's so amazing. That's especially with neurological injury and the NFL now finally beginning to start to look at this because I think I might have been the first person. I don't want to, you know, get too egocentric, but in my book, 
I had read the article by Malcolm Gladwell several years ago in The New Yorker about how, you know, what epidemic um, concussions are in the NFL. Right. And I just put two and two together when I was researching my book and I put in my book that um, marijuana should be as common in NFL locker rooms as are ice packs uh, because of the incredible shield against brain damage that it it, it offers. Well, you know. we're, we're sorry to interrupt. We're going to be doing a uh, interview in early January um, of a young man, a local, locally, who uh, came from the brink of death with major brain damage from a head injury, and th- his return to life is amazing. Yeah, and it's really something that needs to be considered. The other thing that I really found fascinating uh, was the study that came out from, I believe it was Scripps. If it wasn't, it might not have been Scripps, but it was somewhere in that area, Southern California, San Diego. And they were hoping, I do believe, that, you know, the, the, the objective was to show that sort of poly drug abuse is worse than just uh, binge drinking. So they did a study with binge drinkers who also smoked marijuana, and they had, you know, the controls who were just binge drinkers. And what they found out were that the binge drinkers who were concurrently using marijuana had a significant reduction in brain damage from alcohol. Well, that's and interesting. There's the kind of irony you don't get in an Alanis Morissette song. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's right. Um, what about Alzheimer's? Talk to us a little about that. But that's also something that was just truly mind-bending, I might say, pun intended. Uh, when I started learning about that, I think one of the first studies was from Scripps. And the conclusion was, some I'll paraphrase, but that uh, we don't have anything available uh, that is as effective as THC for uh, reducing the pathology associated with Alzheimer's disease. And they found that, the researchers have found that cannabinoids, especially THC, work by reducing neuroinflammation, which seems to set up some of this, like be a platform for launching some of the changes that come with Alzheimer's disease. But also there may be a genetic uh, component or some other lifestyle component that causes the certain uh, enzymes in the brain that are uh, involved with protein cleaving, uh, changing uh, proteins and uh, producing certain uh, chains of proteins, they don't do it effectively, and you end up with this uh, substance called uh, amyloid plaque, beta amyloid plaque. This is really found throughout the, when they do scans of people with Alzheimer's. Uh, this is found throughout the brain, and it's these plaques that act like um, barriers to nerve transmission to the, um, the relay of information through the brain. And then there's also tangles within the uh, nerve cells, which seem to result possibly from the toxicity of this plaque buildup. And cannabis addresses all of these issues very effectively, very, very effectively. And in small doses, which is the really promising and remarkable thing, because someone who's older who might not have any interest whatsoever in getting a buzz can use tincture or a sort of diluted oil, maybe an um, olive oil-based um, cannabis extract oil, and you know, take a tablespoon or a teaspoon in the evening with their meal, and they won't get high, but they'll introduce these uh, cannabinoids continuously into their system, and they'll have these 
uh, neuroprotective and uh, brain repairing effects. In Israel, they're using uh, cannabis with people in nursing homes because they found that these effects are really great for getting the uh, residents off of a whole host of pharmaceutical drugs that have significantly worse side effects. Oh, yeah. I, I met uh, Dr. Raphael Machulam in uh, Vancouver a couple of years ago, and uh, he spoke to me about that, and they have a number of uh, patients that they're they're using uh, cannabis with, and the difference it's made in Alzheimer's patients as well as in, you know, all patients in, in their uh, old age homes. Yeah, and I think that you know we have some good evidence to not have this. I don't. I just my mother is in assisted living, and it's a really great place. It costs a fortune, but she's well taken care of. But I mean, I just if they would only even not even outside of cannabis with all its baggage that they have to deal with. If they would use um, something like turmeric with the with the residents, you know, uh, that could help them out. But, you know, there's this whole protocol that they're so married to and they don't want to veer from, you know, whatever. Anyway, Clint, I want to ask you, you've uh, made reference to uh, cannabis and Alzheimer's. And uh, Corey also made in talking to um Who's the fellow you talked to? Dr. Machulam. Machulam in Israel. Does cannabis have any benefits for someone with Alzheimer's? Can it be reversed? Yes. yes. It can yes. be reversed. I had a, yes. I had a, uh, one of my people in England had a, her, her mother was in a nursing home and she was really gone. She didn't recognize her daughter. She couldn't dress herself or feed herself. And she, her daughter started taking cannabis oil and giving it to her as well, high THC, as well as coconut oil. I'm not sure of the time period. I want to say about nine months or so. Anyway, she was able to take her mom home. Her mom recognized her, was able to dress herself, feed herself, joined the local silver threads or the equivalent of it over in England and did amazingly well. That's remarkable. Uh, my personal experience with this was, I've told you my mother uh, is in assisted living. She has Alzheimer's. And my father, he's deceased now. Um, but several years ago when she was first diagnosed, they were living independently, had a nice house and doing well. Um, but she kept asking the same questions over and over and, and he knew it was so he, you know, it was likely. So he had her checked and she was diagnosed. And my parents and I, one of the conflicts is the fact that I do enjoy marijuana because they're old school, uh, World War II generation reefer madness victims. And, you know, the whole un-American hippie thing kind of uh, graded them. So um, they were resistant to it. But when I sent my father, he's a smart man. When I sent him the studies that I had found, you know, the solid peer-reviewed studies, the abstracts of those, he, he kind of surprised me because he said, you know what, let's try it. I will try anything that works. And so here I am. I think I might be past the... Uh, uh, statute of limitations, but I, I was um, getting, uh, uh, I had some edibles and I would send them to them and my father would give them to my mother and uh, she would get a little bit of an edible every day. And he called me, I think it was about three or four months later. And my dad goes, this is remarkable. This is remarkable. Your mother is like her old self again. I can't believe it. This is the greatest thing. And my mother also has macular degeneration, so it became difficult from long distance for me to help her with this. 
because she was getting a buzz from the edibles and was getting dizzy and felt uncomfortable with her visual impairment. So she stopped using the edibles. But the good thing is that even with that, she plateaued and maintained that level until she had to go into assisted living and her decline is still really slow compared to what it was before. Mm. Interesting. Did you, Clint, did your dad ever try it? No, no, he had not to my knowledge. I so my dad was so cool in so many ways. He was an artist. He was a really talented painter and he had such a broad interest in so many topics and had done so much in his life. He, he ran away from home at 16 to become a cowboy uh, and succeeded. And, you know, he had read a book, um, Zane Gray book and went out to join a ranch and did, he, you know, he, he was in World War Two flew off aircraft carriers. I would have loved to have gotten a little high with him and just hung out. But, you know, it's sad what that whole generation's brainwashing did to them. But I will give him credit. He was open enough to help my mother, and that's a big thing. Yeah, that's yeah, fantastic. That's, that's a great story. Clint, I want to ask you uh, one final question for those folks who may be listening, who may be interested in marijuana, who have been brainwashed like the rest of us. What is the best way for someone with some apprehension to start taking marijuana for their health? Well, it sort of depends on what their um, if they have an ailment or they want to use it as a preventative or um, in that sense. Let's just start. Say if you want to use it sort of as a preventative tonic, uh, you can get if you can get some tincture, you can take. Uh, a small dose of tincture, like uh, depending on the potency, a quarter or a half dropper, even a few several drops of it uh, before bedtime. And what's amazing is how effective even low doses are. Heavy doses can be needed, you know, for many things, but for just dialing back inflammation in the body and blocking some of the degenerative processes that lead to disease. Very low doses work. There, some research found that ultra-low doses, well below the psychoactive threshold, protect the liver, the brain, the heart, the kidneys from inflammatory damage. And so I would suggest to people who just really want to say you have a family history of Alzheimer's, get some tincture, uh, a CBD THC blend, and take some of that every evening, a small amount, you know, a quarter or a half a dropper might help you i can't i'm not a medical professional so i can't make an absolute recommendation but this is i'm just giving you an idea of what the evidence sort of indicates might help if you have nausea from chemotherapy and that's what you want to address vaporizing or smoking is probably best and you want to get the uh cleanest uh supply you can so it's not contaminated ideally you'll have a dispensary uh, or someone who can put you in touch with clean cannabis and start very slowly. I told my friend uh, who had cancer to just like you're taking a tiny sip of a hit. She was using a volcano vaporizer bag. And I said, just take a little tiny sip and inhale it and then exhale it and then wait and see where you are. If you get into a space where you're uncomfortable, just remember you haven't harmed yourself and you'll be fine within a couple of hours eat something, maybe watch a movie or listen to some music you enjoy. If you're going to really try and knock out your cancer, 
you know, it's hard to say. Uh, some people say a gram a day of oil, but then who knows what the potency of the oil is, the source of it. Uh, I will tell people, please be careful. Don't order this oil from a source. Don't. But my husband Donald gets emails, calls from people who said, oh, "Where's my oil? I sent you two hundred and fifty. I sent you five hundred dollars, and my oil hasn't come." He's like, "What are you talking about?" And there's someone using his name, Doctor Donald Healthcare, and pretending to be him, who is ripping people off for oil. It's horrible. He's spoken with the FDA about this uh, theft and this uh, scourge. But, you know, be very careful about where you get it and talk to your elected representative and tell them we need research. We need to know what works for what cancer and what dose reliably. You know, it's very frustrating. I do get really angry sometimes because of just the way it's stymied. And, you know, I, I always say, this is one point I have a um, dispute with uh, Rick Simpson. He recommends naphtha for extracting, and I come from a neuropathic, uh, neuro, n- naturopath, not neuropathic, uh, a background in naturopath. Uh, na- na- yeah, as a naturopath yeah. of macrobiotics and natural healing. And my suggestion is to only use solvents that you could ingest and survive. Well, we had this conversation with Robin Swan the other day, and the the issue becomes in Canada. Your our our isopropyl is completely different than yours. Huh? Yeah, that's where that's where the issue first started, and that's where the craziness continues. Yeah, because you cannot ingest isopropyl <laughs> here and survive. I know that. Yeah. Uh, I had a we have a friend whose daughter drank it, and you know had to go to the hospital and get pumped and everything, mm-hmm. but. Uh, that was years ago, but yeah, so I just, I, I rely, I would tend to, you know, vodka, Everclear, um, there was an interesting suggestion by Arno Hezekamp that you can get pretty dense uh, deposit of cannabinoids into the carrier of olive oil, um, and I don't think he did, but just um, you can really saturate olive oil. I want to know about juicing. I want some damn research done on what happens when you ingest uh, THCA in uh, large quantities. And I really wish the hell the government would get the hell out of the way of blocking this stuff. Just think about the potential this plant has, and it has not been seized upon with a dedicated line of research. There's, you know, GW doing a little piddling here, there, doing this research. But, you know, we really need something where we can know what's going on and what works and what doesn't. Because sometimes, it, like we said, you know, I, my, Donald and I, we go back and forth because I'm a little more pro about the anti-cancer effects. And he's more conservative because he sees the other side of it. He gets a lot of people coming in who have tried the oil and it's failed and they've delayed certain chemotherapy treatments that might have worked for them. And they're in really serious conditions. Sometimes, you know, they can get onto a treatment that salvages them. But he, you know, he sees a lot of that, and so he sort of has a, a skewed perspective from that angle. And so there's a little tension sometimes in our home. <laughs> <laughs> Clint, it was uh, it was certainly a pleasure to talk to you, and thank you very much for this. It was a great educational uh, segment, and we very much appreciate it. Thank oh, you thank so much. You. And, and, you know, bless you for getting this out. We've got to change the world. Uh, they're my dogs. They've waited yeah. to chime in. 
Okay. So thank them for that, and thank you, and let's keep moving forward with cannabis. Right. Thanks, Clint. Thank you so much, you. Clint. Take care. Be well. You too. Great information from Clint Werner, the author of Marijuana Gateway to Health, How Cannabis Protects Us from Cancer and Alzheimer's Disease. And just a reminder, we survive on donations here at Cannabis Health Radio. If you would like to help us out with this donation, it can be a large one, small one, monthly, just a one-time donation, go to CannabisHealthRadio.com. And make a pledge, make a donation. Both Corey and I greatly appreciate it. We'll be back again with another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey friends, I'm Brandon And I'm Saba. And we are your host of the Cannabis Hangout Podcast, an educational platform to connect with the cannabis community and share personal stories while breaking the stigma of marijuana. Join us every Sunday at 7 p.m. to gain valuable insight with different perspectives from industry leaders, growers, and medical marijuana patients. This is a place to learn so much from different angles in the cannabis industry. So tune in while, while we, we break, break it all down. down.